trust in his word. And, you know, I think back uh, to several months ago uh, as I was just as I listened to her sing, I was thinking about uh, as I talked to our missionaries who were on the field facing uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 before it ever came to America. And, I, you know, I guess you, you have this thought and this idea that it wouldn't become what it's become here in the States. Uh, somehow, uh, somehow you're, uh, there's some sort of a barrier there. But we realize that when everything has been stripped away, do you still have his word in your life? Do you, can you still trust him? And what I have found is we can trust him. We can trust him with everything because he is our everything. Even when everything has been stripped away, we can trust him. And I want to just, uh, again, uh, point to you to the book of Acts with me this morning. Because as we see this fledgling band of disciples that have uh, gathered here on a hillside with the, uh, with the omniscient Savior, we find that here on this hillside, that as they gather here together, that we learn a powerful truth. And we're giving an, an incredible call. And then beyond that, he promises power to fulfill that call. And so we see here, last week we were able to begin this, and I encourage you, if you, you didn't get a chance to be with us last week, to go back and listen to the live stream or go listen to the, the podcast, which is also available, available through your favorite podcast source, uh, or uh, or just download the notes. They're still on the website, and you can kind of see uh, how the, God calls us to prepare for that, because as Jesus was there with his disciples in Acts chapter 1, we see that he, he wanted them to have a time of preparation uh, for what would happen. And so as we look at this, the last five weeks we have been on this road to redemption. And we saw Christ pay our price, pay the price for our lives. And, and we saw that uh, culminate at Calvary. And since then, we realized we saw that played out beautifully in Peter's life and how Peter uh, was a man who was like us. He just failed, uh, failed the Lord in his moment uh, of, of uh, need. And, and we see that, that Christ came to him and reminded him, listen, if you love me, there's still a purpose in, and there's still a, a, a call for you in your life. And I urge you, Christian, that even when you get discouraged and even when you feel like your life has been uh, is is worthless, that God says, I have a greater plan and a greater purpose for you than just feeling sorry for yourself. And so as we see that in, in Peter's life, we saw that he was over, able to overcome past failures and continue to serve the Lord. And then as we see this time here, this is as we approach Acts 1, we find that Christ is about to ascend back to the Father. And, and as he does so, he leaves us with some powerful words and some incredible instruction for us today. Uh, some years ago, someone prepared an anthology that was, that was published uh, about 150 to 200 different people uh, of, of their last sayings before they passed away. And one of them captured my thought as, uh, as I read through it, and he said, Sir Walter Scott, his last saying was, bring me the book. And someone asked him which book, and his response was, there is only one book. What an incredible thing to consider. The last words are generally considered to be the most powerful and the most important because that's when, when a person is dying, they're not typically flippant. They're not typically uh, careless about what they say. But instead, it's, there's a moment of seriousness. It's, this is the keynote of everything that they have learned in their life. That's what we see in the book of uh, Ecclesiastes. That's what we see uh, here in, in our text as well in Acts chapter number 1. As Jesus on that hillside had already died, but now he was about to ascend to go to be with the Father. And in this moment, we see the Lord Jesus Christ 
uh, who had planned for all of eternity uh, these events to transpire. And as, he, as we, we see that he taught the disciples that there would be a time in John 14 and 16 where he would be, uh, would, he would be crucified and he would be resurrected and he was going to, uh, then he would go to heaven to represent us there. And here it is in Acts chapter number 1, we see him ascending and going to be with the Father. So join with me, Acts chapter number 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 together uh, in this text. Uh, we have already covered much of this ground last week, and so we're going to pick up here in verse number 8 uh, where we left off last time. But let's read together the full text. And verse 1 says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus both began to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up after that he threw the Holy Ghost and uh, com given commandments unto me, uh, unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. In verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, they beheld he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And when they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray together as we, uh, this morning. Father, thank you once again for the reading of the Word, and thank you for uh, the power that the Word has in our life. And I just pray that today as we look at your Word and we try to... Uh, to see that you have provided for us power to fulfill the call that you've placed in our life. Lord, that we would be submissive to you. And then, Lord, as believers, we would be excited and energized about the things that are happening to and around us. Lord, because we know that the day of your appear appearing is soon at hand. And so, Lord, we look forward to that, and we just, uh, with great anticipation, ask you that you'd ask, uh, allow us to be found faithful to you in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look here, we see that the book of Acts, again, as by way of reminder, is an extension of the book of Luke. It's like part two of the story. And in, Luke, in the book of Luke, uh, we see where Luke is writing to Theophilus. And again, he says, the former writings, the former treaties, the former things that I've said, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And the word began there. And we see that throughout the book of Luke, he teaches about Jesus' life. And then the book of Acts is really uh, just a reality of the fact that the ministry of Christ didn't stop when he ascended to heaven. We continue even today to carry on the ministry of Jesus Christ. And Christ said this, I am come to seek and to save the lost. 
That's why Christ came. That's why we're still here today. And that's why we continue, even during this crisis, to continue to get the gospel out. And I hope that you'll join us next week if you're able to uh, for our parking lot service as we we plan uh, to uh, carry hope back into our community as we bag up these groceries and we send out with the gospel of Christ. And we just want to be a blessing to our community. We hope that you'll be a part of that and carry those groceries into someone in need in our community. And so, you see, just because we're in crisis doesn't mean the commission has been completed. Instead, we see that even through, during this time, and especially during this time, God says, hold up the light, continue to carry the candle, uh, because the world is in darkness. And so we see that here in this timing, and for all that we're going through, how pertinent it is that we see again Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. And as a church, we see this powerful testimony and this powerful instruction from Christ. And so I want to back up just a little bit. and as as the disciples talked to Christ in verse number 6, they said, And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, would thou at this time again restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, they got their timing wrong. And they, they thought, well, now is time for the millennial reign of Christ. That Now is time for us to experience those great things. And I want you to see that Christ said, listen, it's not time for that. And it's not time for us to worry about those things. But instead, it's time to worry about something that's more important today. The most important thing that we can do is be concerned with the gospel of Christ being carried into the world. And that's what he says in verse number 7. He says, It is not uh, for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Listen, it's not time, it's not time for you to worry about those things. What it's time for is verse number 8. He says, But ye shall receive power. And I want you to see that there is power for the Christian today. God has a plan for us. And if you were to look at the model of the, for the church, you would see in, in the early days great success. And there was uh, many uh, who professed Jesus Christ as their Savior. In Acts chapter number 2 alone, we saw 3,000 people were converted and saved on that glorious, uh, that glorious Pentecost day. And we just think about all that God began to do and to teach right there in Acts chapter 2, and it continued on. And later we see in Acts where 5,000 more were saved. And later in the book of Acts, we see where the church was, was persecuted. And through that persecution, the gospel of Christ was carried throughout the world. You know, sometimes we have a tendency to complain in our persecution. I remind you of, of Philippians 2.14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Because even in persecution, even in times where there's trouble, God is using that in our lives to be able to continue to carry the gospel into the world. And so let's be focused on that. Let's, as Christ says here, listen, it's not time to worry about those things. Let's worry about the, the commission. One of the last things he said to us, one of the most important things he says was to carry the gospel. And so I, I want you to know that that was carried. Uh, and, and we just see that, uh, that in this church, as that gospel was carried and people were saved, that it was obvious that it was an evidence of the power of God at work in the lives of believers. And I think that even Stephen, when he was stoned, as Stephen was there and, and, and as he was, had been preaching the gospel and he carried the gospel into these different areas, we see that, that Stephen, as he was being stoned, said these words in Acts chapter number 5, verses 38 and 39. He says, And now I say unto you, Refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this, this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. Now, I want to just correct something. That's not the, the passage where Stephen was stoned. That was later in Acts chapter number 7. But we see in Acts 5 here where Gamaliel is saying, listen, listen, it, this, you cannot stop the power and the work of God from going forward. 
Christ said this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Why? Because he is the builder. He is the founder. He is the foundation for the church. It's not rooted in man or a man. It's rooted upon the power of the divine, Jesus Christ and him alone. And as we think about this, we think that no matter what has come at the church through the centuries, the church continues to be faithful. There were dark ages in the Middle Ages. There were times where the gospel, that they tried to suppress the gospel, but there were still faithful men and faithful women who continued to carry the gospel with great power and great authority, and they continued to see God do great things. And we see men like John Wycliffe who were burned at the stake, and we see men uh, who were able to say, listen, I'm going to continue to write the Word of God. I'm going to continue to preach the Word of God. I'm going to continue to carry the Word of God. How could they do that? How could Stephen be stoned and say, Father, forgive them? It's all through the power of God. You see, it's not in our own power. The church can't go forward in its own power. We can't continue as a church in our own power, but we can continue through the power of God today. And that's what we seek this morning. I want you to see that God has delivered that power. And in our first letter A here, we see that power is delivered. Now, the Greek word power here is the Greek word dunamis, which means strength, ability, a power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Listen, God says, let me give you this. This is the same word we get our our word dynamite from. The same thing that is explosive uh, power that that resides in a stick of dynamite. He says he's using the same uh, connotation, the same meaning here as he says, and all power shall be given unto you. You see, this evidence was seen in Acts chapter number 2, and we see this carried throughout the book of Acts. And and today, when we uh, witness to someone and someone trusts in Christ, this same power is at work, the power of God. And and I tell you, sometimes we uh, we get to the point where we're like, well, that's great, someone got saved. But the reality is, it's the power of God on display when one soul trusts Christ as their Savior. He said, he said this, but ye shall receive power. Christ said in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, all power is given unto me. And then he says this Greek word too, he says, ye shall be witnesses. Now the word witnesses is, where, is the word martis, and it's where we get the word martyr from. And so as we consider this, he says, I will give you, I will give you the ability, the strength to be able to die for the sake of Christ. You know, Christ said this, he said, take up your cross and follow me. Now, we, th- we see the cross today, and there's one behind me, and we see the cross today as something uh, that is a symbol of our faith. It's a symbol of where Christ died. It's where he paid for our redemption. But when we think about the cross today, oftentimes uh, it, it's a, it, it makes us think positive things. But when someone in the New Testament time were to say, take up your cross and follow me, he's saying, I want you to be willing that no matter what may happen, no matter how painful it may be, no matter what it may cost you, follow me. That's a totally different statement probably than what we're used to saying. When we look at the cross, we say, yeah, that means I'm a Christian. Why? How could it mean I'm a Christian, but except for the fact that I've died to self and say, God, I can't be saved any other way than by putting my faith in you alone. I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow you. You see, today... As Stephen preached and as Stephen carried the gospel, he did the same thing in Acts chapter 7 and verse 60. It says, And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You see, Stephen he knew what it was to be able to pick up his cross and to follow Jesus Christ. 
And I can't help but think, because in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8, we see that the Apostle Paul was consenting unto the death of Stephen. Paul was there. They had laid the, the coats at the feet of Paul. And I, and I think of this young man as he was standing there, and he watched this martyr of the faith, this witness, if, if you will, out of Acts 1.8. You shall be witnesses. Amen? And, and as, he, as they laid their, their coats at, at young Saul's feet there, and he witnessed Stephen, one of the first martyrs in the church, and he witnessed his stoning. I can't help but that had an impact into the life of the Apostle Paul. This man who, with anger and hate and desire to, uh, to destroy any cult, uh, any following of this uh, Yeshua, this man had this desire to destroy, but in this moment he saw the power of God resting on one of the witnesses, on one of the martyrs of the faith. You see, that is only the power of God that can do this. And later in Acts chapter number 9, we see where God used a culmination of lots of things. Because oftentimes, when people come to Christ, it's not one person's witness, but something else that they've observed in someone's life. It's something that they have heard or read or seen or God has revealed to them. And I remind you that today, God has called us to be a witness of Him. God has called us to say, listen, will you die to self? Will you allow the power of God to work in your life in this tremendous way? In Ephesians chapter number 1 and verses 19 and 20, we see where Paul writes about this power of God. And he says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him down at the right hand in heavenly places. Listen, he said, this, this is the same power that works in Jesus Christ that raised him from the dead. This same power is alive and at work today. And I'm so thankful that, that this tremendous power is available to believers today. But too many of us have chosen not to tap into it. You know, too many of us, and, I, and I'm, I'm putting myself in this category because so many times what, what, what we do, especially as believers, is we do ministry in our own power, in our own ability, in our own, uh, in our own thought process. But God says, listen, you must be a witness. You must die to self. You must be willing to lay down your life and pick up mine. I want you to see that God's called us and given us a power to witness today. You see, He's given us the power that's been available, that's through the Holy Spirit and the work of God in His life, but we see there's a power to witness because it, the reality is, is that that power comes when we witness. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, many people call out and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, sometimes we see that as people are power lifting at the gym and building big mus muscles and different things. And we think that that's what it's talking about. But that's totally out of context. You see, as Paul was saying this, he was looking at a church that, had, uh, that was going through some great trials. And, and as he talked to the church in Philippi, he was saying, listen, I'm in jail, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can continue to carry the gospel. I can continue to, to share with you the good news. You know, as, as he was talking to Philippi, and there was things that were going on and some, some differences between some brethren. And as he talked to those brethren, he said, listen, listen, you, have, you through Christ have the ability to overcome. And then he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There's power through him to be able to rejoice. There's power for witnessing. Christian, let me just encourage you today that there is, uh, through this walking with the Spirit, we can see the power of God residing on a person's life. 
So he says this in verse number one, Acts 1 8. But you shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost will come upon you, upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. And he says, Unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. God said, listen, there's a plan here. And if you look at the book of Acts, you see that this is really an outline for the book of Acts as it was taken in the first 12 chapters or so. And as the, the apostle Peter uh, was just, we followed him as he ministered to the church in Jerusalem. And then we saw when persecution began that, that the church scattered and, and it began to carry the message of the gospel into the uttermost parts of the earth. And so toward the end of the, the book of Acts, we see where even where they're all the way into Rome. And we, what an incredible thing that as we watch these, these things, each, each step of the way as the gospel is carried throughout the world, you see, because the gospel is not meant to be hidden in our homes. The gospel is not meant to be harbored and, and in our hearts, but instead to, to share with the world. God says, won't you take it into all the world and preach the gospel? He didn't say, hold it. He didn't say, keep it, but instead take it to distribute it, to, to share it. And that's our call today. He says that first off, we go to our community. And I thank the Lord for the opportunity to live in southwest Missouri. And I thank the Lord for the opportunity to live uh, in an area where we can uh, proclaim the gospel. And though there's some concerns in my life right now about what's going on in our country, I'm thankful for our country. And I'm thankful for those men and women who not only died, but sacrificed part of their time to, to be able to help keep freedoms free and, and and we must be diligent even in this hour to make sure that those remain free. And then we must also see that, that uh, God calls us to continue to carry that into our continent. And God calls us to carry it all the way into the uttermost part of the world. You know, there's still people in our world. There's still people even in our community that have not heard a clear message of the gospel. It's hard to fathom. For many of us, uh, I know personally, I was raised in a Christian home. I, I always have uh, teased and said I had a drug problem. Dad drugged me to church. You know, and I think about him bringing me to church and, and bringing me and carrying me along every step of the way. And I think about that over and over. And I think about this, this truth in my life. That through every step of the way, that God was revealing to me the gospel and helping me to grow in him. But you see, not everyone has that privilege. Not every person in this world has the gospel. And so is it right for us then to harbor and to hold it and not be willing to take it and to share it? This is good news. This is not, this is not just news. This is better than what CNN puts out. This is better than what Fox News has. This is far better than any of those news stations. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is what Jesus Christ has left us. And that's why he says, but after uh, he, he says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. And so he says, continue to carry the gospel. Church, what a great opportunity we have to carry the gospel. Um, it was this truth that drove William Carey to India. And in India, he was, he was, before this point, he was a 30-year-old cobbler. And, he could, uh, and, and as he stood before uh, ministers, he said this, Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. And if you know the life of William Carey, then you know that God did tremendous things in his life through his uh, desire to, to take the gospel into the country of India. I encourage you to learn about this to, and to grow in this. You see, that's the power of God at work. And then we 
I want to just share with you a quote from one of the uh, from a commentator that I read this week. He said, "The dynamic power of the Holy Spirit will be given in constant flow as long as we are engaged in communicating. We're to be conduits or channels, not reservoirs or holding tanks. A river flowing uh, a flowing river purifies itself. A swamp has inlets but no outlet. The Dead Sea is often used as, as an example." Fish can only live around the closest reaches of the inflow from the Jordan. But since there is no outflow to the sea, they would die a few yards away. Our lives become dull and dreary as Christians if all we do is take in inspiration from the study of the Bible, worship and preaching, and, and an endless round of classes taught by stirring teachers where application is not mandated. The Holy Spirit's power is given for witness. You see, God's not called us just to be still. God's called us to carry. God's called us to continue. You see, our vision is to continue to reach the lost. And this needs to be broadened. Think about the Great Commission with us. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Christ says, he says in verse number 18, I didn't include it here, but he says, All power is given to me into heaven and in earth. And then he says in the very end, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He says this, listen, when you take the gospel and when we're going out and we're carrying the gospel into the world, we're able, to, we're able to carry the power of God with us. He's with us every step of the way. Many times our desire is to obey God. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Here's the reality, we want to obey God. But sometimes fear takes hold. Well, how can I witness to that person? There's a, you ever, have you been to Walmart lately or have you been to Lowe's or, or some other place and they've just the uh, the post office was the fir first place I saw it at. They had these big plastic shields come down. Uh, I said, man, I feel like I'm in prison. I've got to slide it underneath the, the shield and get it back from the, underneath the shield. I said, I said, this is, it just seems crazy. I feel like a prisoner here. And, and I think about that, and I think sometimes that hinders us. And we think, man, it'd be hard to be able to share the gospel. Brother McCarty yesterday just uh, was texting me and was shared with me how that God has allowed him to continue to share the gospel in different ways from a man in Costco to a man uh, there. Uh, uh, I forget the exact story yesterday, but I just appreciate those who said, listen, this is not an obstacle, but an opportunity to continue to carry the gospel. And this is what 2 Timothy 1.7 says, and this is what Paul tells Timothy. He says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, fear is the opposite of this. When we fear, we're, we're, we, we're grounded. We can't go anywhere. We, don't, we can't make a decision one way or another. But when we trust the Lord, we're able to move forward and carry the gospel, the power for witnessing. We can love the lost, and we have a sound mind that recognize, recognizes that, his, uh, that, uh, that the evidence uh, all around us is of his soon return. In his book, Walden, or also named Life in the Woods, Henry David Thoreau, uh, said these words, and, and he was talking in context of the ways that we waste life. And he says, and I quote, as if you could kill time without injuring eternity. Think about that with me. And it, it sounds, and I, and I included the context because it's important. Have you thought about that with me? Can't, oftentimes we hear people say, well, I'm just killing time. Can we kill time 
without injuring eternity. I think sometimes we're confused and think we have. And I, and I was reading in Ephesians uh, this week, and I, I just I'm reminded of Ephesians 5.16. Paul reminds us, redeeming the time because the days are evil. In Colossians chapter 4, in verse, I think it's 2 or 3, he also says, redeeming the time. And God reminds us here, listen, our time is short. You see, as believers, my, my time doesn't belong to me. It's not, it's not about what do I want to do tomorrow, but Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, how would you have me to use this time when, uh, for eternity? Colossians 3 also teaches us, set your affections on things above. Tonight, I want to invite you to join us at 6 because uh, we're going to have a special Zoom conference uh, with our missionary, Brian Weed. And he said, he just shared with me, he says, Pastor, I want you to know I'm able to, to do what I do because I have no hobbies. My hobby is Jesus Christ. And I thought, what a blessing. What, what, an, what a, really an inspiration as we consider uh, a heart that's completely and totally sold out for Christ. Christ's last, last words before he left this earth were, unto the uttermost part of the earth. That was our great commission. That's what he's left us for. This is what one and what Acts 1.8 is about. He said, I'm not going to give you uh, power to become a weightlifter. I'm not going to give you power to, uh, to, to do the impossible. Uh, what I'm going to give you power for is the ability to witness. And it may seem impossible, but the awesome thing is, is Christ says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way because we are called to be witnesses. And that means we've got to be not just seen, but also heard. Not long ago, I read a story um, about uh, about a missionary who, on the mission field, was given a car, and this car wouldn't start, and so it was a manual transmission. And so he figured out that if he parked on a hill, that he could just uh, leave the car in gear. He could depress the clutch, remove the brake, and let the car start rolling. Pop the clutch and get the car started, and he could drive and and go on his way. And as he made his rounds and made his visits, he'd just leave the car running, or to get some little kids to come out and help push the car to start. And he did this for two years. Two years he ran this car like this. And after that time of uh, on the field, uh, the next missionary was coming on the field. He said, "Well, here's the car, and this is what I got to do to start it." And he said, "He said I'm sure it'll last for a long time. It's worked great for me for two years doing that." Well, the new missionary was pondering, and he looked at it, and he, he looked at the car, and he says, well, well, let's pop the hood. And they popped the hood, and he went over, and he says, well, this is the problem. He says, your battery cable is loose. And he tightened the battery cable, jumped back in the car, hit the starter, and it started right up. You know, sometimes in our life, our life is just like that missionary, and we think, well, I can get along with how I'm going. And I can just keep on doing the things that I'm doing, and life is okay. And you've totally missed experiencing the power of God in your life because you've refused to witness. You see, God says when we plug into His power, life is much better. When we plug into His power, we can see the impossible become the possible. And I just want to encourage you today that God has made this tremendous power available and for your witnessing and for your ability to continue to get out. And so maybe your spiritual life seems powerless. Maybe you seem feel weak. And I just I want to point you back to the Word of God today because as God reminds us, listen, when we plug into Him and when we, when we uh, are willing to say, God, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight, and though I'm fearful of witnessing, I promise you, Lord, that the next time I go out in public, I'm going to carry that, those tracks that Pastor gave us. I'm going to continue to, 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 
uh, take that and to share with my neighbors and say, listen, we're, we may, uh, I want to invite you to our first parking lot service this week. Lord, I want to invite you to uh, check out our live stream service. I want to invite you to experience what God can do for your life when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, because God's given us the ability to connect with Him. And this connection must start at Calvary. You see, Jesus Christ, He came to this earth and He died, and, and he, he did so so He could make a connection with us. All connection was broken when we rebelled against God. If you go back to Genesis 3 in the Bible, you will find where, where man looked at the... Uh, well, let me start even further back. Genesis 2, God says, uh, you should, uh, don't eat the tree uh, of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so man heard that instruction. He repeated it to Eve. And then uh, in Genesis chapter 3, Eve stood there and was tempted by the serpent. And then she gave to Adam and he willfully chose to rebel against the Lord. And I'm telling you today that that, that one moment of rebellion broke our connection with God. Life was powerless without it. In the garden, then, God gave us a picture of what he would do later. As he sacrificed a lamb to, uh, to provide a covering for Adam and Eve, we see that that's what Christ would do later on the cross. And you see, when Christ came to this earth and he died and he rose again, he provided for you and for me the opportunity to restore that connection where we can walk hand in hand with the Father. You see, today God offers you that. God offers you a connection with him. And God says that when you put your faith in him, that you, you can have that connection restored. John chapter 1 and verse number 12 says, But as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Some may state, well, I believe in Jesus. I have always believed in God. And let me tell you that, that James says that even the devils believe and tremble. And so it's not just about believing that there's a God. You must put your faith explicitly in Jesus Christ. Some people say, well, I believe in Jesus and. It's not Jesus and, it's Jesus alone. Well, I put my faith in Jesus and then I, I, I make sure that my life is good. No, it's not how it works. And it's not, I put my faith in Jesus and, and then I got baptized. Well, the baptism doesn't help with salvation. The baptism just is a picture of what Christ has already done in the heart. You see, because Ephesians 2, 8, 9 reminds us this truth, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, it's not about what we do. It's through what He has already done. He's already made the opportunity to make the connection with you. He's already provided that way. And today He invites you to come and receive that gift. In a normal church service, I would invite you to come forward and, and I would in, invite you to come and kneel at the altar and we'd have someone show you from the Bible how that you could be saved. But this is a little different. And this is, this is what I want to invite you to do. Because you can't come forward here, I do invite you to call. We have someone right now on the phone and you can call 865-7286 and you can call our church number and they're standing right there ready to answer your phone call and show you from the Bible how that you can be saved. One of our pastoral staff would love to show you from the Bible how that you know that you know that you know. If you have questions or doubts, maybe you have a prayer need, our lines are open. We just invite you to call us. But I just want to invite you to accept the free gift of salvation 
believing in Christ alone today. Call upon Him for salvation. You see, because for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's you, that's me, that's anybody. God says any of us. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter how corrupt or how vile you may have felt because God says that when we confess our sins to Him, we repent and we put our faith in Him, that He says, Thou shalt be saved. Christian, let's serve Christ. Let's say, Lord, I want to be, I want to experience the power of God, and that power comes when I'm willing to be a witness. Are you willing to die for Him? Then if you are, Let's be willing to live for Him. Let's be willing to say, God, I'll be that witness. God, I will be that martyr for You. Father, we want to thank You, Lord, for this time of remembering, Lord, this this opportunity we've had to see Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 and how that God has said, uh, listen, don't, don't just stand here gazing at the Lord, but instead get about the work that you've called me to do. Uh, and so, Father, I pray that you would help us to, as believers today to have a desire to continue to carry the gospel, to continue to be a witness, and to, Lord, to experience the power of God as we continue to carry the gospel into all the world. And Lord, I just pray, oh Lord, that you would just do a tremendous work in people's lives and people's hearts, Lord, as we submit ourselves completely to you. God, that the Hillside Baptist Church will be a church like uh, is found in, in the book of Acts, a church that's filled with believers that are full of the Spirit of God, that want to be a witness for you and full of the power of God in their life. God, I pray, Father, for those that have never put their faith in Jesus Christ today, that, Lord, that they would stop trusting in their own merits and their own ability and their own wisdom and their their own uh, things. And, Lord, just simply say, God, I forsake all else, and to the cross I cling. God, we love you. Bless, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.